Hi, I'm Maya Lettinger, and this is No Bucks Given, the podcast where we have honest conversations about the horse industry. From breaking down myths by unpacking the actual science behind them or debating both sides of a controversial social issue, No Bucks Given is the equestrian destination where we get to the hard truths around what matters the most, how to best advocate for our horses. Today on the podcast, we have Sydney Soleil, who is not only an old friend of mine, but a brand rep and saddle fitter for Steuben Salary. I'm so excited to talk to her today about the pros and cons of different kinds of saddle fitters, as well as what horse owners can do to best help their horses with saddle fit. Sydney, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. So Sid, you and I both know how important saddle fitting is because of our jobs. Mm -hmm. I'm a professional body worker and I work with horses all day who are sore from bad fang saddles. And, you know, you literally do fit saddles (laughs) partially for a living. So, but I think that a lot of people um, don't really know how important it is to have a good fitting saddle or even necessarily what can happen if a saddle doesn't fit them or their horse. Can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. So before I got down all this road, I don't even think I realized how important saddle fit was. Um, I've just kind of gotten my fair share of lesson saddles, you know, used saddles and they've worked moderately well for the horse. I made sure I had weather clearance. I made sure I wasn't rubbing in any direction, but until I got to really fitting the horse to their exact size, I think there was a whole piece of um, my horse's potential that I was really tapping into. So mm. I have customers that when I start to see like some of like the really hard cases, a lot of my customers are coming to me as like almost the last resort. Um, mm, some of them like sad. we have tried body work, we've had the vet out, like we really don't know what to do from here. Our saddle appears to be working okay, but our horse still won't go to the mounting block. She's bucking, she's rearing. I have one specific example in my head that I tell clients all the time, red thoroughbred mare. <laughs> and uh, boy, she was she opinionated, but she had had kissing spine surgery. Yeah. Um, they had done all of the rehab for her and she was still experiencing a bunch of back pain and just really temperamental at the mounting block. Is and this a client we have in common, actually? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Very, very sweet mare and wonderfully sweet owners. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was so glad that they came to me because I was like, yes, these are the people I want to help the most yeah. because they are looking out for the well-being of their yeah. horse. They yeah, want to absolutely. find something that works. Yeah. And so we did a full fitting. We found a couple of saddles. And, you know, again, some of the thing, they're like, you know, we'll think about it. We don't know if the horse is necessarily going to be what we want it to be. And yeah. then two more weeks of bad behavior, they're like, we don't know, like, what can we do? And so I was like, just try the saddle for two weeks. I right, was going yeah. away on vacation. Um, I'm like, try the saddle and then let me know. Because again, yeah. I'm not trying to force the saddle down you. I really yeah. want your horses to be comfortable. I want you to be comfortable. Within two weeks, the horse was going around better, they said, than she's ever gone before. And so wow. I would say this is probably one of the most extreme examples, but also right. probably one of the most rewarding for me. Yeah, absolutely. Because this horse now is happy in her job. You know, yeah. she likes to be ridden. Yeah. And, and I think, and the owners were so happy because they're like, this is a completely different animal. And yeah. so I had a really temperamental mare when I was in high school, and I wish I would have had the knowledge that I have now then, because I think she and I could have had a much different relationship had I known how important saddle fit was. So 
I think listening to your horse, I tell riders all the time that you're going to be the best advocate for your horse. Yeah. Um, when I'm out at fittings, I've never seen your horse go before usually. Right. So right. you have to tell me, is this normal? Is this bad? Is this the best you've ever seen them go? I don't know. I am here to be a very neutral kind of give my opinion on what I'm seeing. Um, but I really rely on the riders to tell me what their horse is feeling. And so I think some of the best advice that I give to riders and kind of how I got on this journey is, you know, your horse best. So like being the strongest advocate for your horse and knowing that, you know, something feels a little bit off or you just want to experiment with something, maybe they could feel a little bit better. Um, I think all of that is important when to consider saddle fitting. I really love that because I think that a lot of professionals don't listen to riders and owners when it comes to their horses. Mm-hmm. I think, um, unfortunately, I think a lot of professionals really think that they know better than the owner does, which is truly such a shame because the owner is the person who interacts with the horse every single day and has a much more intimate understanding of what that horse needs Mm -hmm. and absolutely you know when you hire a professional you should do so with in mind that you're hiring them for their expertise and um value their input but the at the end of the day the professional should also value um, and have respect for the owner's input because, you know, I've personally been in the position so many times where I've had professionals just not listen to me at all when something was really bothering my horse and it took months of him getting progressively more worse and worse and even dangerous until someone listened to me about what was right and what was wrong and I've noticed especially as a young woman no one took me seriously I think now being an adult it's not quite as bad but yeah it's it's very frustrating and I think that the more professionals that are out there that are really listening to owners the better off the horses will be yeah and I love working with a team. So I try to get as much as we can um, body workers involved, get vets involved, trainers. I mean, there's a lot of fittings that I'll go out to barns and I'll ask if they want their trainer there because I'm not a trainer. (laughs) I advertise myself as being a trainer. And so I want the trainer kind of sitting with me in the middle of the ring to make sure that you as a rider are in the right position. You know that they've seen your horse probably go a lot more than I have. So it's helpful to just have another set of eyes on the ground um, to see what looks normal. I always try to work with vets if they've known, if they have history, like I said, of kissing spine, any injuries. Um, I never wanna just say, this is the only way, this is the only saddle that's gonna work. I'm always open to having you get your vet's opinion if you want them out. Like, I don't care who you bring to your saddle fitting appointment because at the end of the day, I'm here to try to help you and your horse feel as comfortable as possible in your saddle and make a good investment into your horse's kind of welfare and well-being. So I love working, again, with body fitters, kind of talking, almost making like a team or like a board of directors for your horse, Yeah, oh, I love that. And so having all of these people that you trust, you value their opinion I think saddle fitting and having a saddle fitter is just someone else to have on your horse's board I think that's a great way of looking at it and I really love again that you're talking about kind of leaving you as the professional your ego at the door Mm -hmm. because there are so many different like professionals and different perspectives and I think that when all of us can work together around a horse and a rider and really collaborate on what's going to help them the most that's really when the magic happens you know because I might look at a horse and tell you like I think it's back pain is coming from its hind end and 
muscles and I think that it needs to do these stretches and you might look at that horse and say the saddle needs to be tweaked here and the trainer might say like well the rider's position has this issue and but if we can make all of those changes because it's probably not just one thing it's probably a combination or one of those things is causing the other um, and then there's an, a feedback loop so I think that being able to collaborate with other professionals is really special especially in this area it's very very wonderful there's such a culture here yep and we're so lucky because there are so many great professionals around this area Um, I feel for the clients that live in more rural areas and maybe they don't have the access to um, people that can come in person and see their horses as frequently as possible so for those kind of riders and customers like I just recommend like try to do as much research as you can yourself Um, I think as horse people, we all play a little bit of multiple roles. I know we can bandage legs. You know, we all kind of can be a little bit of a vet tech or be a little bit of a trainer. Like if you've been in the industry long enough, you learn a lot of stuff. And so I tell people all the time, you're not going to take away from like a saddle fitter's income or a saddle fitter. Like if you know stuff, you're just going to ask better questions and it's only going to help you more. So as much as you can learn from different online courses, online videos, books that you can find, all of the resources that are out there are only going to help your horse down the road. That's really smart. Yeah. And I mean, even shadowing people Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, like I've learned so much as a young professional going around and shadowing other professionals, I think is really, really helpful. Um, You know, and if you don't know anything, you know, reaching out to some of your good local professionals and trying to shadow them as well. Um, Yeah, but that that does lead me to my next question. If someone is in a rural area and they don't have access to a good saddle fitter, do you have any recommendations or resources? Yeah. So one thing Steven actually does that I love is we have an in-house fitter in Virginia. We're based out of Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, but we have an in-house fitter where, um, we have reps all over, but if we have someone who's not in your area or can't get to your area, um, our in-house fitter kind of works with you based on pictures of your horse, videos of your horse that you can send in. They'll go on a video call with you and kind of talk through what issues you may have been having, um, what you're kind of looking for in a saddle, types of saddle. And then with all of our demo and fitting saddles that we have, we can then send those saddles to you kind of like a trial or consignment store would. You can try them, again, send us pictures, send us videos, that in-house fitter is working with you the entire time to make sure you find something that does work. And so we get a lot of people um, that do do that. They inquire about having a student rep come out and look at their horse. If we don't have one in the area, that's kind of, if they're interested, our next best option. Um, And it still kind of gives you those options to try different saddles to your home rather than just being stuck, you know? Yeah. And so if you're interested in that, I would say that's a great option. I'm sure a lot of other brands have something similar to that. Um, If you're not looking for that, I know there's a lot of different consignment stores around um, that will let you take saddles on trial. And so I would say my best recommendation, again, would be watching as many videos as you can, learning as much as you can about saddle fitting yourself, and then getting these saddles out and sitting in them, try them. Because that is going to be the best way to figure out what you like and what the horse is like, is actually sitting in the saddle and figuring out if it works. That's that's wonderful. Um, Yeah, I mean, a lot of you know, in rural parts of the country, very few people even have access to a consignment shop. Mm -hmm. So 
most of those people end up just purchasing from something like eBay. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there are any like red flags or anything you can check to kind of hopefully prevent prevent getting like a broken or like uh, broken or dysfunctional saddle or is it kind of just the luck of the draw when you purchase? Kind of just the luck of the draw. I've had really good luck with buying $500 saddles from Facebook, you know, and (laughs) people are honest and that's great. They just really needed the saddle gone. Um, I've also had really bad luck and you get a saddle and you're like, this is not what the pictures looked like. Um, This is a completely twisted tree. There's only so many pictures you can get and so many videos you can get from the seller um, without just kind of, if you're, if they're not willing to do a trial without just kind of buying it. But any places that do offer a trial, I definitely would advise that because then you're able to kind of put eyes on the saddle. You're able to run it through some tests to make sure that there's no squeaking, there's no like flexibility in the tree that shouldn't be there. Um, And then you can really inspect the saddle on your own to make sure that it's meeting kind of the qualifications of what you would look for in a saddle um, versus just buying something cold. Absolutely. So I would love to hear how you got started as a saddle fitter. Sure. So a little bit of a personal story. I have two horses of my own. I have a six-year-old off-the-track thoroughbred, and I have a 16-year-old Swedish Hornblood cross. So when I got my off-the-track thoroughbred, I found out that she had a little bit of kissing spine. So the vet wasn't that worried, but she did recommend that I have a really nice, well-fitting saddle for her to make sure that we didn't have any issues riding going forward. She's also a mare, so she's very particular. So (laughs) when I went down the whole saddle fitting process with her, I was looking at a bunch of different brands, kind of figuring out what I wanted, what I was looking for, and really stumbled across Steuben. Um, And so when I reached out to Steuben looking for a rep in our area, um, they told me we didn't have one, which is, I thought, crazy because we have Boyd Martin, who's one of our biggest riders right down the road from us. Um, And so they're like, if you're interested, feel free to send in your resume. Like, we'd love to have you. So that's how I actually got into Steuben was more personally for myself. I needed a saddle that fit me, that fit my horse. She really liked them. It's the only thing she wanted to go in. (laughs) And then I kind of just stuck around with it because I could help so many different people in their horses and all of those success stories and helping riders figure out a kind of their horse, what they liked best has really been so enjoyable for me. That's really wonderful. I love that um, you didn't just decide to become a saddle fitter and then go out and pick a brand. I love that you really fell in love with a brand in the way it fit your horse and then decided that you were so passionate about it that you wanted to share that with other people. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's so much with Steuben as a company that I've fallen in love with as well. So where they are a fifth generation family run company. Wow. Um, they're, Jan and Johannes Steuben are still the uh, people who are running it over in Germany. Uh, and then we have obviously the North America section over here. But the fact that because it is kind of a family-run company, they're very invested in their products being made for the well-being of their horse and really stand behind their products. So it's something that I feel comfortable putting my horses in because I know at the end of the day, they're going to make things right and they're going to make sure that they're not cutting any corners or just trying to make as much money as they can. They're really out here for the horse and for the rider. That's really wonderful. And is there anything you like specifically about their saddles? 
So some of the things that I really um, was looking for when I was kind of down the road of searching for a saddle brand is I knew I wanted a tree that had a more kind of open or U-shaped head plate. So I, my horse is, she's 16.3. She has really high withers like most thoroughbreds do. And so I needed something that gave her as much wither clearance as possible. Okay. And so Steuben has seven different tree sizes. So oh, interesting. The way their kind of tree is um, designed is to allow for as much wither clearance at the top as possible. And then the tree points are um, fit to be as parallel to the horse as possible as well. So they're not just trying to put one tree and fixing it with different panels or kind of flocking. They are fitting the tree to be to the right size of the horse. And then the panels are fitting to the anatomy of the horse and whatnot. So another thing I was on my wish list was wool panels. I mm-hmm. wanted something that was adjustable she was only four at the time that I bought her and so I needed something that was kind of going to grow with her a bit more Um, and she just did not like foam it was too hot for her (laughs) it just did not work well for us so the wool because it's a natural material allowed for more heat to kind of be taken off her back and it moved around a little bit more so if she wants the wool to sit in like a certain place she can kind of shift that around as we're riding versus something more like um not as movable and dense like foam. You know, I'd love to hear a little bit about like the pros and cons between foam and wool. Yeah, so there, I think this is like one of the biggest debates going yeah, on. Yeah, right yeah, I should preface this. <laughs> this is a very big debate. So just give me your opinion. Yeah, but. absolutely. And I will start with saying there are a million different ways to fit a saddle. What works for right. me and my horses and a lot of my clients might work completely different for other people out there. Um, I think. Wool panels are something that are becoming more popular again. It's what we saw in all of like the older students and the older saddles. I would say wool was the original and then foam kind of came in because one, it's a cheaper option. So right. saddles were saddle companies were able to put it on a little bit less and make them a little bit more affordable. Um, foam is dense so kind of what you get saddle fitting with foam is what you're going to get wool like i said there's a lot more adjustability so if you have one horse you sell that horse and the next horse you get is kind of roughly in the same tree size you can move the wool around in a wool flocked Mm -hmm. saddle um, to help it fit your next horse foam if those panels that were designed for horse one don't fit horse two you have to completely take the panels off put new panels on. So it's a little bit more costly to upkeep, I would say, for foam. Um, Wool, again, the maintenance on it is about reflocking every six months to a year. Foam over time just will kind of compress. And so you just have to be aware of like what the panels are doing and be aware of kind of how they're fitting your horse still. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, I kind of, I want to actually examine what you just said a little bit more, but I want to backtrack for a second. You said earlier, part of the reason you became a Steuben saddle fitter is because Mm -hmm. there wasn't any around here. And I find that so surprising because we're in Chester County, which is truly a Mecca horse area um, in right around here. I mean, I live a stone throw from two different Olympians and there are just so, so many horse people. And it's just such a culture of really well-educated horse people in this area. But, you know, I hear very uniformly not only out here but throughout the united states how hard it is to find a really good saddle fitter or even a brand rep um and i was wondering if you have any insight as to why that is yeah so um i do not do saddle fitting 100 percent. i have another job so it's something that i love um 
doing to help riders and horses feel their best. I usually do it on weeknights or weekends when I'm not working my full-time job. But I will say one thing is it is a sales position. So um, a lot of people I could see not wanting, if they have quotas to meet or the companies are kind of being um, hard on how many saddles they need to sell, there's a lot of pressure there. You know, you have to get out there, you have to sell saddles. Um, I try to help riders with a bunch of different budgets. I know that custom is not always the option that many people can afford and go down. So I'm, I will not turn you away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you're looking for a demo saddle or looking for a used saddle, I try to help all of my customers that way. Um, but if you are from a rep, like a brand that is pushing a certain number of saddles that you need to sell per year, then you do kind of have to be on people to sell these saddles. So it's, it's a lot of pressure. Um, I'd say the other thing is there are a lot of, depending on where you are, there's a lot of customer service obviously needed in the job as well. So if you don't like dealing with people, probably not the job for you right, <laughs> um, right. because you have clients texting you, emailing you, calling you all the time. Um, and usually when it's a saddle emergency, it's like the end of the world. People right. like need a saddle, they need it right. soon. So you have to be kind of flexible to work with people's schedules. They're often working, so kind of finding times that work for both you as a saddle kind of rep or fitter to get out there and the um, customer. And then it, there is just a lot like running any business. Um, you need scheduling. You need time to like plan where you're gonna go. I cover the Eastern Pennsylvania, Northern Maryland, and part of Delaware. So it's a big range if you look geographically. And so I try to, as much as I can, group clients that are going to be in the same area at a time. So I'm not making like unnecessary driving trips. And so sometimes clients want you to be out there as soon as possible and as soon as you can. Um, and you just kind of have to work with them on seeing when you can fit them into your schedule. Right. Yeah, I've, I've definitely noticed that it does seem like saddles are a very sensitive subject to a lot of people. You know, I think that it's kind of the first thing a lot of people blame when something goes wrong. And it's also the last thing a lot of people want to invest in, mm-hmm. I've noticed as well. And I grew up riding in um, Steubens among other saddles, but I'm more familiar with Steuben because of you and our friendship. But the thing I like so much about Steuben is that they have really affordable custom saddles. And, you know, I tell people constantly, um, invest in a good saddle that fits you and your horse early on, and it'll save you a world of hurt. Both financially, your horse's back will be more protected, your riding position will be better earlier on. Um, You know, and I think that while it is amazing to find a used saddle um, or a demo saddle that fits, and that absolutely does happen, I think it's that can be really hard. You know, you've taught me that... um, very often you don't know what's wrong with a used saddle um, and it can be kind of scary to make an investment into that. When I first bought my horse Wesley, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars trying to only spend a thousand dollars on a saddle because time and time again I would get him a saddle off of eBay, it wouldn't fit, I'd have to sell it at a loss. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just an incredibly frustrating cycle that left me feeling crummy and his back feeling badly and wasted a huge amount of money. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And getting into saddle fitting now, I look back at when I first started, you know, and all the independent saddle fitters I had out the brand reps. I'm like, oh God, I apologize to them. (laughs) I was probably the client I don't want to deal with. You know, I had a budget that I was trying to stay within because I had just graduated college. Um, I had horses that, again, I thought would be changing. They were young. You know, I didn't really know what I was trying to do with them. I wanted ideally to make the same saddle work for both of them. Right. So like all the things that customers try to ask me to do. And I'm like, you know, I was that person once, so I get right. where you're coming from. But it, same thing. I bought saddles from reps that were just looking to sell saddles that ended up like didn't fitting my horses. So then I had to resell them for a loss. I tried to get saddles that were used. And you just don't know the history of a used saddle. I wish we had something like a Carfax, you know. And <laughs> we had saddle facts be. <laughs> because you, if you have, if you're in a lucky situation and maybe the saddles only had one owner before you and hopefully they're honest and they let you know kind of it was serviced by that brand or that rep you kind of have a history on the saddle right um but a lot of used saddles out there you don't know what they've been through you don't know if they've had a bad fall if you're not kind of um instructed to look at any crookedness of trees or anything kind of wrong feeling the panels it's something that you can easily cause a problem pretty quickly um rather than trying to fix one just to save a little bit of money Yeah, I, you know, very recently, and I mean, I could tell a million stories Mm -hmm. from when I was growing up in Iowa, and I didn't know any better about poorly fitting saddles. But very recently, and I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit this, um, you know, I I got a saddle from a friend um, to use on a horse I was leasing, and she had had that saddle for years. And before her, another one of our friends in our group had had that saddle. And before her, another person got that saddle directly from the company. Um, So we knew the history on this saddle and I threw it onto my horse and it looked like it fit pretty well and off I went and I had um my other friend who's a saddle fitter come out and look at it and she said oh you're the tree is totally twisted and the panels are totally uneven and it had been making that horse um very back sore and it had been making me very crooked and I hadn't thought to just look at it um and check to see anything and you know i tell people time and time again it's not even necessarily that the person who's selling you the saddle is dishonest they very possibly don't don't know you know very few of us have the education to be able to look at a saddle and know if the tree is broken Mm -hmm. or if there's something defective so that's why it's so important if you do go the used or demo route to work with someone who can check that for you absolutely and that's why i try if if that is an option that people are going down um, I usually recommend that they look at our demo options or our, we have a trade-in program too, but everything that comes into our warehouse in Virginia, we have a head of repairs down there. He kind of takes the saddle apart. He inspects mm. it, makes sure that it's of quality that we can stand behind again as Steuben. And so we know, we're know we not out here trying to sell you a broken tree or right. broken panels. Right. Um, so it's important that you kind of have a little bit of that information or you have someone that you're working with. Maybe it is... Um, an independent fitter who can take apart the saddle for you or something just to make sure that you are getting something that you feel confident and safe using on your horse. Absolutely. That's so wonderful. You know, I've noticed most of my riding career has been um, English, you know, Mm -hmm. riding. I grew up as an eventer and then have recently switched to, well, not that recently, a few years ago. A few years ago, I switched to straight dressage. Um, But 
I did do some Western growing up in mm-hmm. uh, Iowa. I did 4-H and games and all that. And I noticed that saddle fitting was not really a thing. Um, that was super common in that world. And I was wondering if you have any like insight or opinion on, you know, it like, is there a world of Western saddle fitting? Is there a reason why there's a little bit less? Absolutely. So I fit just English saddles. I grew up riding Western when I was like five to 10, but have gotten out of it since. Um, and so I will not speak to having any knowledge on fitting Western saddles, but there are saddle fitters out there specifically for, again, those brands. Um, growing up in a place like Chester County, I don't think it, Western just isn't as common here. Um, so I think that's probably why we don't see it as much, but I would say if Western is the primary discipline that you're riding, again, looking for a saddle fitter that has that Western experience, has trained with brands, um, or kind of knows what you're looking for, um, is going to be extremely helpful when you're going and looking for a saddle there. That's really cool. Yeah, I actually, you know, some people have asked me before, aren't Western saddles really bad, quote unquote? And I said, you know, I kind of asked them, what are they talking about? And they said, oh my gosh, well, they're so big and heavy. And and I said, no, I'm, and I said, what I have personally found is the opposite. They're, they're huge. They have these huge, broad panels that mm-hmm. distribute weight beautifully. So, you know, I've actually seen some off the, off the track racehorses um, do really well going from a teeny tiny metal plate, which is a racing saddle, to a big Western saddle. A lot of them do really well backwise. So I think that um, there's so much promise in Western saddles. You know, I, I think it's so interesting and I don't know a lot about that world. I would love to know more about the way that they're fitted because not that, again, not that I'm super educated. They just, they don't look as like, uh, flexible and movable mm-hmm. as English saddles do, but then they're more forgiving because they're so much broader. So yeah, I'm, I'm super interested. Yeah, in that no, definitely. And again, having grown up riding Western a little bit, um, they're comfortable like, yeah. and they're no, obviously they're designed to, especially at, like out West, like, you know, people are riding their horses for six, seven hours a day in Western saddles. Um, most English riders are not doing that. So, and the fact that these horses out there, you know, they aren't back source, so they must be doing something right. Um, so it would be extremely interested to see kind of how the Western saddle is fitting versus the English and kind of how it's kind of come across like over the years. Yeah, Absolutely. So when someone is looking to have their saddle fitted, there are a lot of different options. You know, there are independent saddle fitters as well as brand reps. Um, What do you recommend people look for when they're picking their saddle fitter? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of um, organize them into like two categories and the brand reps slash fitters can even almost be subsplit as well. So Independent saddle fitters usually are um, servicing all different types of brands um, all over. They don't stick to one. Most of them also don't carry probably a lot of demos with them. Um, They might have used saddles. They might have experience with all of these saddles, but you actually getting to sit in those saddles might be a little bit difficult. Um, So if you are looking to sit in saddles that you've never sat in before, I think definitely getting a brand rep out is brand rep or brand fitter out is going to be helpful because they're going to have all of those models with them that you can sit in, you can try um, all at one time. 
Um, the education, I think, is really important um, for any saddle fitter that you have out. And so asking both the brand fitter and the independent fitter kind of what experience that they have, um, how they were trained. At Steuben, we're trained by our master in-house saddle fitter. We're trained from the manufacturer and saddle fitters over in Germany, you know, someone who's been working with the brand for a long, long time. And so we have all of that in-house training. We have all the detailed training to know how the saddle is made literally from start to finish. Um, so an independent saddler who doesn't have that specific brand training, they might know a little bit what's out there about Steuben, like our different tree sizes and, you know, how they could guess kind of how the saddle is made. But um, not specific as a brand fitter might have. Um, but I kind of use the analogy of an independent fitter kind of being like an elementary school teacher. They are teaching all the different subjects. They're looking at a lot of different brands, um, but they might just have like surface level information and in all of those. I think they're still looking to do the same job we're doing is to fit the horse and to fit the horse comfortably. Um, but the brand reps and the brand fitters, they're gonna have more of that deep knowledge within one specific brand. And so that's helpful for when you're picking like a custom saddle or something like that. Right you have all of the knowledge there and they know exactly what size you need to go for. Um, I see when I work kind of behind or with an independent saddle fitter, um, if they don't know the brand usually well, sometimes our sizing can be off a little bit and right. they recommended one size and then I go out to see the horse and I'm like, actually, your horse is this size because of this, this, and this. And right. um, it's never bashing the independent saddle fitter at right. all. It's just... I know the brand a little bit more and I tell people all the time if they ask me to look at their other brands, if there's someone in that area that a brand rep or a fitter can service that brand, have them out because they right. are going to know the saddle. They're going to know how to flock it so much um, better than I would. And so using, if you find a brand that you like and you want to keep going with, using that fitter or that rep in your area is going to be extremely helpful. Um, but an independent fitter is also great if you're just kind of looking where to start. You have no clue right. where you want to start, having them come out, you know, giving you a recommendation on what might fit your horse well. Um, because like I said, they're going to know a lot about different tree sizes, how the trees are made because they've seen a bunch of different saddles overall. And so they can give some kind of early recommendations on what brands might be good for your horse. And that's actually how I started when I was looking for Steuben is oh. I had an independent saddle fitter come out and she recommended some that thought would be good. And then after doing my research, I decided Steuben was the way I wanted to go further. That's really interesting. So to me... So to me, it really sounds like when you're starting out in your journey um, and you need to kind of figure out what you and your horse like, or if you have a saddle that fits pretty well, but you need someone to reflock it and do yep. some maintenance, that's when an independent saddle fitter is really helpful because they're a jack of all trades. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I, think they, I think the only... Um, kind of cautionary tarot give is for the flocking and the fitting purpose. Um, oh, okay. There are, I think, independent sellers, again, they have the experiences. If they have the education, um, they know generally how to fit, how to flock. Um, but there are certain things, like in a Steuben, you want to flock the panels a little bit specifically the way it's designed with our flex tree and so I've seen I've seen other fitters try to flock brands that aren't their own and I they see. just mess up the flocking that way just because again right. they didn't have that experience or that knowledge um, and they also use different types of wool so that's one thing that if 
there is a fitter in your area who services the brand you already have a saddle okay. have them come out because okay. they're going to be the ones that have the right wool know the fit they're going to be able to get it done and a lot of warranties so on our custom saddles actually if you use anyone outside of Steuben your warranty is then kind of up so you don't get kind of that backing behind the saddle companies if you decide to go outward for fitting advice. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and thank you for clarification on, you know, if there is a brand rep near you to mm -hmm. absolutely use them um, if you need to have your saddle refit. And then, you know, so independent, maybe starting out to kind of get a feel for everything. And then generally when you're ready to make that investment into a custom saddle for you and your horse that's when it's time to call up a brand fitter absolutely yeah and those independent saddle fitters like i said can be a great resource if you don't know where to start um maybe there's not a lot of brand reps or fitters in your area right um because i know that's a big process we're lucky here i think we have close to every single brand that's out yeah. here in servicing yeah. saddles um, so we're really lucky with that. But if you're in an area that's more rural, you might just have independent saddle fitters out there. Yeah. And so, um, again, I always just say whether you're using a brand rep or a fitter or an independent fitter, just making sure that you ask the right questions, kind of understand what their background's in, what education that they have, just so that you feel confident that they know what they're doing when they come out to see your horse. And reviews. Reviews are great. Reviews. Yeah, <laughs> yes. looking at reviews. And, you know, I think, so that brings me to my next question. Obviously, you love Stupin the most, <laughs> which is very fair. Um, but when people are going to pick out a brand um, for themselves and their horse, let's say, you know, Growing up in Iowa, we, for most of my life in Iowa, we didn't even have an independent rep. Mm -hmm. So really the only way you could get your hands on a saddle was to buy it online, mm -hmm. either fully brand new off the site, yeah. you know, or off, e off of eBay or Facebook marketplace. If I, if I was in the position, if I was in that position again, um, and I was picking out brands and different kinds of saddles, how would you recommend I go about this? So really I have no, I have next to no resources. Yeah, so I think it's looking, um, there's a lot of information out there online. Um, there's different resources on Instagram, on Facebook of fitters who might not be in your area but are posting to educate. Um, I would look those up. I would watch as many videos as you can. Um, a lot of those independent fitters give a really good deep dive into how different saddles are made. Interesting. Um, with different tree shape, with long tree points, with short tree points. Um, there are pros and cons, again, to using both of them. And so I think it's looking at what your horse looks like. Um, looking at the education that's out there, figuring out if a longer tree point is going to work better than a shorter tree point for your horse. Um, as you know, as a body worker, there's a lot of muscles in the horse's back that um, ones, we, some we don't want weight bearing at all and others is where we kind of want most of that weight to be. So um, understanding and learning kind of the anatomy of your horse so that you can pick a saddle that's gonna work best for them. Absolutely. So you would recommend like doing a lot of research on the internet and looking at different kinds. You know, I think that what most of us do is just ask our friends whatever they like. But unfortunately, our friends are shaped different from us and so are their horses. And even, you know, in addition to that, uh, 
your friend doesn't necessarily actually know what's best for you and your horse or them and their horse. You know, they might, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people become really susceptible to branding with different brands that are, especially there are some brands that leap to mind that have really good marketing and are very comfortable to the humans, but really wreak havoc on horses' backs. Absolutely. And I think it's really tough too, if you're in a barn and everyone in that barn has one brand because maybe the trainer is sponsored or maybe, um, you know, that's just the only one in that area. And maybe you're getting pressured to also buy that saddle. And so I think it's really tough in those situations to um, kind of stand up. If if you know the knowledge and you know that your horse isn't doing well on that saddle, it, it is tough sometimes to be like, hey, I'm not gonna go with this brand, even though everyone else is, it's the end thing. Like, I'm gonna really see what's better for my horse and see if I can find something that I like riding in better and it's also comfortable for my horse. But I totally understand that that is such a hard position to be in because no one wants to be the odd duck out. Like, they wanna <laughs> fit in. And so um, those are just kind of tough conversations to have with your trainer or friends that like, hey, what works for you might not work for me. It's like shoes, you know, we all don't wear the same size tennis shoes or, um, wear the same brand. Um, if we all did, I think there would be many of us who are uncomfortable. And so you kind of have to think about horses that way. If every single horse in your barn works perfect in the same size saddle and the same brand, but they look completely different, like something seems off there a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's so insightful. And it, you know, I think a recurring theme of this podcast in general, and just like my mission in life is to empower people to make the hard decision for their horse and really advocate for them and not feel like you're letting your trainer down Mm -hmm. by really being invested in what's best for your horse and even if it's not necessarily what's easiest because I think that you know a lot of trainers might really mean well when they say like oh well you should get this you know from my Mm -hmm. saddle company but again like if you uh, it's your horse at the end of the day and you're also the person paying for everything and you should feel empowered to advocate for them because they really might not be happy. Absolutely. And I mean, even working for Steuben, um, we have, we work with trainers, we partner with trainers. And so, um, oftentimes those trainers get discounts if, or lead fees if they have students that buy those saddles. So I think it's being aware of that, you know, that, um, at the end of the day, you really have to make the best decision for you and your horse. You shouldn't feel pressured to buy something just because you're maybe with a trainer. Um, I would say a lot of trainers hopefully want what's best for you and your horse as well because I think those are the best trainers out there. Um, but just knowing that they are, there is an incentive for trainers to have their students buy certain saddles and that's just kind of have been a trend of the industry. And so having that information again and really making those choices and that's why I can't iterate enough like educating yourself on and listening to your horse on what's working for them um, because it might not be the brand that your trainer decided to ultimately go with. Yeah absolutely you know not every brand can fit every horse and rider as much as there are definitely brands that are better and worse but I think that having an open mind about the different kinds of brands is so important. And I really respect both brand reps and fitters that um, like there are some horses that you know a student saddle might not be good for and when they send those pictures or go out and the horse just isn't liking it I try to be honest with those customers and say hey I know you might really want this to work, but 
it's going to be tough, you know, and I'm not just here. Stupid might mock me to be more <laughs> selling more or fake selling, but um, I really want, again, what's best for the well-being of the horse. And so I'm not going to sell you a saddle that's just going to kind of work. Like, I really want you to find something that you like riding in and that your horse feels comfortable riding in. Um, because at the end of the day, it doesn't help me. Then you're just upset with the saddle if it doesn't work, you know? And so finding a rep and, um, finding a fitter that is okay to admit that, Hey, this might not work for you is really, really respectable. Absolutely. So we went over, you know, selecting a saddle a little bit, but I would love, you know, there are a couple other elements, you know, I'd love to get your opinion on both pads and girths. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't have to super dive into this because I think that those two questions could be podcasts on their <laughs> own, but can you just briefly tell me, you know, are there any best like kinds or materials of saddle pads that you really love and, and in addition kind of half pads if yeah you leave that in. absolutely so when I am fitting saddles and recommending kind of uh, my favorite accessories to go with those saddles um one I try to stay in materials that are as natural as possible mm -hmm. um anything that can wick as much heat and moisture away from the horse's back is going to be good um, because you don't want muscles to overheat or anything like that. Um, so some brands that I really like, I love in the winter, the back on track, how it kind of warms the back up a little bit more. Um, Steuben and Lemieux are some of my go-to just like under saddle pads because they have a really nice anatomic fit of the horse's back. And so Absolutely. you can kind of tent up the top of the saddle pad into the gullet a little bit more. Um, and it just works more for the anatomy of the horse. When we get into half pads, that's kind of when I go back to natural materials over synthetic materials, if you can. Um, so anything that is wool or kind of that cotton that's going to allow more breathability. Um, I really like those brands. The Mattis Pad has a really nice gullet clearance as well. So we want to try to keep as much off of the spine as possible with both the saddle and any saddle pads that we're using. Um, and why is that? Um, ultimately, if we could fit a saddle with no pads, that's what we want to do. Okay. Um, so we really want the panels and the tree to be what is fitting the horse. We don't want a ton okay. of extra material. It's kind of like if you had an ill-fitting shoe and you just stuffed different socks in there. You know, it's right. not really going to fit. It maybe fits a little bit better, but ideally we want it to fit perfect without any sort of pad. But again, when you're going used or custom or you're using one saddle, um, on multiple horses sometimes you do have to use different padding options so just kind of doing your research there I try to avoid anything that's really dense memory foam because it just seems to compress a lot more um, than like a natural wool pad would um, but again it's back to knowing and what works for your horse I think there's pros and cons to every single pad out there there are some brands that are really really good with their marketing and so right, that seems absolutely. to be the trend right now and when you look like, does it actually do what it's supposed to do with my horse? Like, that's when you're like, yeah, not really. And I have totally been a sucker for those marketing. Like, I want to order what's in and what you see on Instagram and what all the top riders are using. But then I put them on my horse and I'm like, this isn't doing anything for me. It's just like the memory foam ones, they just condense. So you pretty much have just more material on a saddle that may or may not fit already. Um, so that's kind of my recommendations with pads. With girth, same thing. I um, Natural materials, I really like to um, 
do stuff that's a little bit more flexible, especially on the horses that are a little bit more sensitive. So um, the fleece girth, the, I know neoprene, it's not natural, but if they're a little bit more flexible than like a leather girth, um, that's really important to consider some of the ones that for horses that are girthy or uh, might be a little bit stiff kind of in their rib cage. There's a lot of girths on the market right now that have some of that elastic give. So it actually, they're made to be a little bit more anatomic with the horse and allow them to um, fit kind of their rib cage better. So again, it's a, it's a fine line of, there's a lot of marketing out there that everything needs an anatomic girth. Does everything need an anatomic girth? No, there's a hard girth <laughs> area. You know, you kind of have to follow all the anatomy of that. And you could go down a huge, huge rabbit hole of like what girths are good and what girths are not. So I really, that's not something that I like drill into people. I say like, try to find a girth that works for you. If you play around with a couple, I think there's a bunch out there that are really good options. Um, and so it's just kind of trial and error when you get to that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that insight into girths and sal pads. I think that that'll be really helpful for people. Switching gears here a little bit. I, a lot of young people uh, follow me on social media and all of them are really interested and also, not just young people, a lot of people looking for a career in horses at any stage of life. Uh, they follow me and they really want a career in horses. So I'm always interested in hearing from other professionals, their perspective on getting started as a, you know, getting started in the horse industry. And would you change anything about how you started out? You know, what how do you feel about it now? Do you recommend it to other young people? Um, and I'd really love to hear some of the steps of you making this your career. Absolutely. So I think the first thing you have to think about is um, figuring out what type of saddle fitter you want to be. So whether, like we talked about earlier, it's independent or if you want to go work specifically for a brand. Um, I think there's pros and cons, like I said, to both of them. Um, what you need in either way is education. How are you going to learn about saddle fitting? If you're an independent saddle fitter, usually it's finding a course, maybe apprenticing, um, taking multiple different courses. Um, there's a lot out there that offer kind of that certification and whatnot. Um, and so that could be one path you go, um, my path, because I know I wanted to work with a brand. Um, I got all of my education specifically through Steuben. So they had us come down. We did like a week and a half long intensive course where we were going out, we were fitting saddles. We were learning all about the different saddles that Steuben specifically has um, and getting kind of that hands-on and classroom experience there. And then we have continuing education courses as we continue to work for Steuben. There are a lot of great fitters already working for the company too that I've gotten to shadow, you know, or use as resources and ask questions because again, we are work so much like a family company, like they're all there to be beneficial and helpful and answer those questions for me. Um, so that's the route I went um, as a saddle fitter because I don't do this full time. Um, and I really, I don't think I want to do it full time. Um, 
it, it's definitely, a, it's a tough job. You have to, like I said, be good at customer service. You have to be really good at managing pretty much your own business because you're the one who's scheduling your own clients. You're going out there, you're driving a lot different areas, planning kind of what trips you're going to make. Um, so it's definitely a lot of time that you have to put in. Um, I have a background in business and marketing. So I think that helps me a little bit in like my social media posts that I put out there, um, all of my marketing to get clients, some of that kind of um, creating business relationships with the clients that I'm working with. All of that has been super helpful with my saddle fitting business. Um, and so I found that they're very compatible, but it's not something that I would yet feel comfortable kind of quitting completely my full-time job with two right. horses and doing it full-time. Now there's people out there that do. A lot of those people usually also are more down the independent saddle fitting route because they are also probably flocking on the side. They're doing repairs of saddles on the side. Um, they're making saddles kind of their entire business. And so, um, that is one way at Steuben, actually all of us are independent contractors. So you can be, we have some of our Steuben certified fitters who are also independent fitters. So you kind of can have a little bit more of that flexibility with a company like Steuben. Um, but there are other companies out there who you do have to work for them full time and you're salaried and it's kind of meeting certain quotas and whatnot. So it really depends if you asked five different saddle fitters, 10 different saddle fitters, you're gonna get 10 different answers and why someone decided to go one path versus another. Um, but this path has worked really well for me. I've gotten to um, some of the perks that I feel like I've gotten is I've gotten to meet some of our top riders. This year I went down and attended the Land Rover Kentucky three-day event, working at the Steuben booth. And again, meeting the riders come in, seeing and getting to travel to those places, um, I might not have gotten to do just normally working for my regular job. So um, there are a lot of, been a lot of perks to the job. You just have to know kind of what the commitments are and are you willing to put in kind of that time and effort to, um, to being a saddle fitter. So would you recommend any first steps if someone's interested in becoming a saddle fitter, like shadowing or any research they could do online about the different brands? Absolutely. So I think if you're interested and you have a certain brand in mind and you want to go the brand route, reach out to them. You know, yeah. you never know if they're hiring. You never know if they need a rep in your area or whatnot. Um, so always emailing, reaching out, putting your resume out there can't hurt. Um, if you're looking to do independent, if there's a really good saddle fit in your area, try asking if you can just shadow them, you know, see if you, you're only going to get experience and learn something by being able to go to appointments. I don't know anyone that would be like, no, I don't want the help. Usually I'm trying to juggle like 10 saddles at a time, you know, <laughs> trying to hold the horse and everything. So even if anyone ever wanted to like tag along and see what it was like a little bit of a day in the life. Um, so if you have the ability to shadow someone and go out there and kind of see what the day in the life is like, I would absolutely recommend that. Um, it's really just seeing where you're going to fit in, right? <laughs> so you might work for one company and not really like that company and you want to go maybe work for a different one. Maybe you want to be um, the sole owner of your business and you want to be your own boss, then independent is probably going to be a better option for you. So um, really just seeing what's out there, talking to professionals who are in the area who are willing to kind of share their knowledge. Um, I never think that I'm gonna hide anything from anyone because at the end of the day, like I'm not here to be competitive. Again, I want to 
bring the best option for a horse and rider. So I am open to sharing all the information that I've learned with riders, um, people who are interested in the career. Um, so I think just talking to people and professionals and talking to brands you might want to work for is going to be the best first step. That's really amazing. We really need more saddle fitters in our industry. You know, I think we're really in a saddle fitter deficit. And we also just need more professionals um, pulling each other up and helping each other and inspiring each other um, with our careers. So I really love how encouraging your message is. <laughs> um so with that in mind, Sid, and helping other people with any uh, issues that they might face in the horse world, I have this segment on my social media called Hidden Hangups. And in it, we discuss different things that might be holding us or our horses back that might not be as obvious um, or might not be something that would occur to us if we're not in the industry. So the question I had for you, are there any specific muscle groups or areas on the horse that tend to get really sore if their saddle doesn't fit? Absolutely. Um, so as you are an expert in the muscles here, um, there are three big muscles in the horse's back that are super crucial to saddle fitting. Um, the first one is the trapezius muscle, the second is the latissimus, and the third is the longissimus. Um, so you probably have a better graphic, but I'll kind of describe it for people who are listening right now. Um, the trapezius muscle kind of connects at the top of the shoulder. Um, it actually, there's two parts of it. There's a part that goes into the neck and then more of a part that is around the withers and kind of goes towards the back. That's actually a non-weight bearing muscle. And so when we are looking at um, our trees and fitting horses for saddles, I don't want any pressure. I don't want any weight bearing down on that trapezius muscle. I want our tree points to go long enough so that they can get onto um, the latissimus and the panels are on the lingissimus um, because if anything is putting too much pressure on the trapezius, we're going to see a lot of issues. Um, that's when we typically see horses who are super sore right behind their scapula, um, as well as horses that just don't want to lift their back to actually come and use their back for the saddle. So, so for, so for people who don't know, the scapula is the horse's shoulder blade. So you can notice on top of the withers, just down from the wither is your, is a, a kind of like a bony head and that's the horse's scapula. It's um, our shoulder blade. It's their shoulder blade is what the scapula is called. Yep. And just to add to that, um, you know, the trapezius is a very thin muscle, which is why you're mentioning that it isn't weight bearing. You know, it has to be protected because it's so thin, but it has an incredibly important function, which is to draw the scapula or the shoulder blade backward and forward and to allow for shoulder movement. Absolutely. So when you have anything that is super weight bearing or pinching that muscle, you're just not gonna get that same shoulder and back freedom. So that's probably the muscle I tend to avoid the most. Um, the rest, the lat and the longissimus, they're much bigger muscles and they're much thicker muscles. So they can actually bear the weight more um, in those areas. And so that's probably the biggest muscle groups that I keep in mind and always check for soreness when I'm palpating for the horse's back. I'm looking for the areas that the horse is flinching, that maybe they're dropping, they have some muscle spasms, because that usually indicates before I even see what saddle you're already riding in, um, if we're gonna have any issues or if your horse has any back soreness. That's great. And Sid, 
What might indicate to an owner that their horse's saddle does not fit them or their horse? Yeah, so a bunch of different things um, because horses are completely different, right? <laughs> they all have different so personalities. True. So I would say the first thing, um, you're going to have some horses that are way more sensitive to it and others who are a little bit more stoic. Um, I think I recommend to all of my clients palpating your horse's back after every ride, every once a week, you know, just getting to know kind of the muscles and what's normal for them. So usually after a hard ride or if I haven't done anything in a while, I always just like palpate down on my horse's back and try to see if we have anything that is spasming in the muscle, if there's areas that they're kind of trying to move away from my hand and away from the pressure. Um, that usually indicates that they're a little bit sore, whether it's from the saddle or whether it's maybe they did something stupid in the field and turn out. Um, you really don't know. So that's why I tell people to do it more frequently. You don't need a saddle fitter there to palpate your horse's back. Like you can get a good idea. Um, some of the behaviors we see under saddle, I mean, bucking, rearing, not being wanting to move forward or kind of into any contact. Um, the extreme horses, if they, they, they associate tacking up and girthing, you know, with bad saddle fit. So if you're coming at your horse and they're biting at the cross ties or like wanting to not be tacked up, that could be an indication that something's probably wrong and they're not that comfortable. Um, so again, you're gonna know your horse best. So looking out for those behaviors that are there or that you're noticing over time um, might be good to consult a professional or have a professional come and look at your saddle. Awesome. So we always end the podcast with one question, and that's if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the horse industry, what would it be? Gosh, if I could wave a magic wand, I'd probably choose that um, I wish saddles were more affordable, you know? Yeah. Like, they've gotten to be so expensive. <laughs> it is crazy. I think the whole sport um, has gotten to be crazy expensive as well, but if we could get saddles to be a little bit more affordable for people, I think we wouldn't have to maybe cut so many corners um, and more horses would probably go better and better fitting saddles. So creating something that just offering that resource um, to everyone and their horses, I think would be really beneficial. Yeah, and I think that that's such a hard problem to solve because, you know, making saddles is kind of like making horses. There's just an inherent cost to entry. But to me, you know, at least we can make education like this more accessible to people and we can make it more possible for people to do things to make saddles that they already have work and be able to make better decisions when it comes to purchasing a saddle so that their money can go farther. So I would, I really love the idea of just continuing to educate people about um, saddles and saddle fit with you. And I really look forward to doing future podcasts and educational stuff with you. So Absolutely. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for coming, Sid. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Bucks Given. For more graphics, video explanations, and behind-the-scenes bites, give us a follow at No Bucks Given Podcast on Instagram. To watch the video recording of this episode, subscribe to our channel at Prelude Forward Bodywork on YouTube. This episode was produced by myself and my wonderful co-editor, Allie Watson-Dane. Special thanks to our editor and sound mixer, David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. 
My mission at Freely Forward Body Work is to make equine massage accessible to any horse, no matter where you and your horse are in the world. If you're interested in learning more about my online catalog of courses designed to help you bond with your horse through the art of equine massage therapy, please check out the link in the show notes for more information. I'd love to teach you.